With Maudlin, I have been going to different cultures for their mythology. So far, we have the more universal, the dragons. A lot of cultures have that. Then number two was, of course, Greek. And this one, we have the Valkyries, which is Norse, in a way. So, I looked into various Valkyrie traditions. And, of course, what comes first to most people's minds is Ragnar. And they are extraordinarily inaccurate in the uh, ring. So, I had to go back pretty far to find the more accurate Valkyries. And that was rather interesting. I learned a lot. I did do some of the art for this episode, you can see by how terrible it is. And But I was also doing a cover for a German opera at the same time, and I was doing research for that. It's a more close-up of a Valkyrie, and I was using for the jewellery, I was going to actual archaeological sites of Norse jewellery, and... Well, most of them are exact re representations of what I found. So they were perfectly correct. However, the separate mythology led up around the Wagner. For example, the helmets are only of silver. They can't also be touches of gold. The chainmail and the armour is also extraordinarily incorrect. The colours are also wrong. The Valkyries only wore red, as you will see in my piece of art. And I had to fight for that in the opera cover. They thought I was going just simply batty, so, with the red. But that is actually the correct for them. Also, I wanted to dispel what had come up, showing them as the almost helpless maidens that they have seemed to become. They, in general, people think of them as sort of beautiful women on horses that fly about and look pretty, and occasionally have horrible experiences with love. No, 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 no. They were... Very frightening. They were terrifying originally, and they were, of course, there to escort the dead warriors that were considered worthy. So, in this version, they arrive at Maudlin and they expect some fantastic warriors after a battle that are dead. They find none, so they decide to seek out what they consider to be proper warriors and kill them and thus take them back. Which brings back a lot of their more aggressive and terrifying aspects which have been lost with the Wagner and... I believe Zena did it, I don't know. In a moment we shall be hearing from David MacGyver who portrays Nigel Worsley. This character went through quite a large transition. Originally, of course, he was named for my family. 
We are of the De Wexleys that came over in 1066 and were later changed to Worsley. And we are from Kent, in case you were wondering, which I'm sure you weren't. So I wanted a sort of tribute to my family. And therefore, when I was coming up with characters, I had Nigel Worsley. And he was supposed to be the third member of the sort of trio, I guess you could call them. And he wasn't originally supposed to be so... I don't know what to call him. Such a coward. And he was... I mean, he's representing my family. He's a tribute to that. And he was supposed to be this stalwart, very interesting character. And I started writing. I wanted him to be intellectual. Again, because... Well, I suppose some of the folk in my family are. And... Then he started to scream like a little girl. I did not plan it. It just happened. It's one of those things where a character just gets, takes a life of their own and just goes. And you have no way of stopping it. You try. I did try to write Worsley better. But he just ended up as Worsley he is his own character, completely independent of anything I had planned. And, ironically, he has turned out to be, to me, the most fully fleshed out character of all of them. And, it, I don't know how it happened, really. The more episodes I've written, and I am into season two, the more Worsley is... Worsley, I have now managed to put a rein on him, meaning that you will notice more and more he will come out from underneath his desk where he ran to hide. However, he will always be Worsley. He will always be the one who runs. And I have to love that about him. <laughs> So far, most of the people who have heard it have commented on Worsley in particular. So, clearly, <laughs> it's worked out. But I just, I have no idea what was going on there. <laughs> uh, fates, I suppose. Uh, however, I am extraordinarily cruel to David MacGyver and... I must apologise publicly, so... Because Nigel Worsley always speaks in the original language. I'm always telling you in these behind the scenes that I'm going back to the original source for these plots and so forth. And I suppose Worsley is reading from it. So he has to say... Old English, he has Italian, he has Latin. I don't know. I'm always doing doing things to him. Poor chap. I, uh, although, I must say, I do force him to do Old English. Probably most, the majority of it, is Old English. And, well, oh wait, Kamraig, in, I forget which episode, I force him to speak Welsh as well. So, 
you see, we're all a good sport about it all. Uh, I do send over pronunciation guides, but yes, part of the reason David MacGyver was cast was he was the only one that was willing to do that, to try other languages, to try difficult passages. And he's not the only one. I believe Bruce Bosby, was it? Also mentioned that it was one of the more challenging parts he's done because of the various languages that I've written for the Tolkien, Tolkien character. Because, of course, he was partly an expert in language, and I have no qualms about having the characters speak in the original, as I said. A lot of telly and movies and so forth, they sometimes more and more have been attempting it with subtitles. However, you can't subtitle radio, which makes it interesting. I made the decision not to translate always what they are saying, so you'll get a flavour of it, and with the Old English, if you listen very carefully, you might be able to pick up the general drift of it. Of course, words are different. For example, if I say, BORD, it doesn't mean that I have nothing to do and it's all very dull. It means SHIELD. So, yes, just lots of things like that. Although some are quite simple. For example, weapon to worm. Of course, weapon and dragon. Worm, you might know from Farmer Giles of Ham, which is the J.R.R. Tolkien story, that worm often refers to dragon and worm in Old English, Anglo-Saxon, also referred to it as such. And before we hand it over to David MacGyver, here's a couple of bloopers that you might find intriguing. There aren't very many bloopers with Morden because our actors are so fantastic that they never mess up. Well, they never send me when they mess up. So, here we are. I don't know exactly what you want. <laughs> Get back with me on that one. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. <laughs> oh, goodness. Written, cast, and directed by Alexa Chipman. Produced and engineered by Stevie K. Farnaby. Music from... <laughs> Actually, I have no idea what the music is from. <laughs> <laughs> I should have checked the email first. I have no idea. <laughs> la, 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 la. So back in around about March, uh, I was listening to Slice of Sci-Fi, and there was an interview for, but I, it was some audio drama, and there was a link to DarkerProjects.com, or there was a mention of it. So I went over there, promptly signed up, and left the email sitting in my inbox for about six months. Uh, I'd done a lot of uh, stage and uh, short films and stuff. I'd uh, not done any audio stuff and I eventually got round to signing up to the group and I probably auditioned for anything that came my way at all. 
um, including modeling. And then uh, I didn't get the part initially, but then I had to uh, get my tongue around some old English for some reason and got the part of Worsley. Now, when I first heard about the part, I thought that he would be like uh, Wesley from Buffy. Not so much Wesley from Angel, because um, he gets tougher then and becomes a demon hunter. Uh, so my idea for the character would be that kind of thing, because guy knows about bad things and helps deal with them. And I had a look at the scripts and it turns out he's not really like that at all. He screams and runs from anything scary. So from a creative point of view, um, I kind of saw the, the character as he's a bit like Hermione from uh, Harry Potter because he's always got his head in a book, but he's also always running away with his head in a book and screaming. Um, so his creative dad, if you will, would be C-3PO from the Star Wars films. If you don't get what I'm on about, towards the end of the uh, second scene in the latest episode, uh, as I'm saying, oh, this is not good, uh, my Anthony Daniels impression isn't very good, or he'd sound more like C-3PO, but if you picture that in 3PO's uh, voice, you'll see exactly what I'm getting at. Um, I think, I've, I mean, obviously I've read the scripts for the first three episodes at this point, and it's a very funny show, and I'm really looking forward to hearing it. I try not to read the whole scripts, because I don't want to spoil it for myself, but um, I had a look at quite a lot of this one, and uh, it's very good. It's always very good. Yes. Okay. Bye. Hiya, folks. Uh, this is Stevie Farnaby, Mod's producer. I've really gone to town on the uh, production of this episode. In fact, I've actually upped the ante um, yet again um, to well over 40 audio tracks. Definitely our most ambitious episode thus far. This has led, um, of course, to me being able to create some really dense uh, sound effects sequences, especially on the sword fighting bits. I have to say, I had great fun with those. Um, there's literally uh, tons going on in the mix of the sword um, fighting sequences um, from running to sword hits and twangs um, and even the odd punch thrown in for good measure and of course the uh, horses that run in the background too check out the raven in uh, scene 1 by the way um, I called him Jimmy after one of my cousins um, who only ever wears black <laughs> Now Alexa included a few outtakes for fun in her behind the scenes section um, so I thought I'd carry that sort of theme on and have a little fun bit in my behind the scenes section. Anyway, um, there's this one bit in the script for this episode and uh, when I heard Dave's superb performance of it I simply had to do this. <laughs> that was, of course, um, the MacGyver remix. <laughs> Watch the charts next week, folks. That one's going to be number one with a bang. <laughs> Thanks for being such a terrific sport there, um, Dave. It was absolutely simply begging to be done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, hope you all enjoy listening um, as much as we enjoyed creating.